Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 80 of the Zus Show. Another milestone yet again. And I just want to say thank you guys for always showing that love. And be sure to subscribe if you haven't already at the Caesars Show, at Sir Caesars. And just spread the love, man, because this episode can only go up from here. This, this, this podcast can only go up from here. You know, before we get into episode 80... You know, I always like to rehash episode, the previous episode, rather. So in episode 79, it was myself and my co-host, Trey Day XXIV, and we talked about episode 7 and 8 of The Last Dance, Zion Williamson's Legal Troubles, and much, much, much more. It's kind of sad that, you know, we have to come to an end of a journey with Michael Jordan. And his greatness. So I hope you guys enjoyed the last dance because this episode is going to focus on wrapping that up and much, much more debates. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into today's hottest topics. And we're back with episode 80 with my co-host, my boy, Trey Day XXIV, what it do, baby? Tell me how you living, man. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm doing all right, man. Um, everything is everything. Uh, the summer, uh, you know, like when we start getting this part of the year, it's a little bit of combination between transition and leisure. So, um, it's just a, it's a good feeling, man. I'm rolling with the punches, and at the same time, you know, gonna succeed in the end. So, uh, just. Happy to be here, man. I wish it would warm up a little bit, but other than that, I'm chilling, bro. I'm chilling. Man, you already you? know you me. Know. We spoke before I started recording. It's a little stress. The the majority's got me a little stressed <laughs> at work, man. I was supposed to be done like an hour and some change ago, but had to do some last minute stuff. So the cameras yeah, in the yeah, chat. Yeah. I won't even able to open up a bottle of wine to you know let loose a little bit. So I'll just stick with the water for now. You know what I'm saying? So what was that? You got some henny right now? Yeah. They don't know what's in my cup. Police think it's water, Playboy. This ain't water. This ain't water. Nah. This ain't water. It's that green goose, man. Let me stop. It's a, it's a little bit of that, you know, ah, that okay. dirty, dirty. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait till we uh, record together again because, you know, I miss, I miss, I miss, Bro, I can't wait, man. Some, some, some surprises. So. Cool. Yeah. So you had uh, some memorabilia or something like that. I saw that you sent me a lot of like different, I think it was magazines or books on MJ and their, their dynasty in the nineties. Talk to me a little bit about that for a little bit. Um. So yeah, I had a family friend that was, um, she was kind of terminally ill and she just was like, yo, like, I know she gave it to my mom. She said, Hey, I know Trey would appreciate these. And she gave me like literally, and I didn't know how much of a blessing it was, but they were like limited, like, I don't know what magazine it was. They're like sports magazine or something. And they were like, literally, they were the last dance magazine. It was That's like fire. the final season, the uh, last dance. It was like the NBA grade. So there was about, there was one with Michael Jordan on the cover. Mm-hmm. Another one with like the Bulls last season on the cover. Yeah. Um, another one of like the NBA, like in the All Stars at the time, and that in the league, and there was like another one on the Bulls. So it was, it was like it's crazy, like how crazy that aged, and I guess how blessed I am to have somebody who's like looking down on me now because she she passed away. But she was like, hey, I know Trey, Trey would appreciate these when she had like a nephew of her own too. She was like, yeah, you know, I'm just gonna give it to the person that might appreciate it the most. And 
you know, those right there, like they're gems. And I haven't even dove into them like I should just yet, but just knowing I had them, I kind of put them up in my in my mom's house in the closet. I put them up there. Wow. I'll, I'll sit on them, you know. I, I wasn't thinking too much about it. And I was I always go back and look at this stuff like that. But yeah, bro, it's a blessing. I'm going to dive into it sometime soon. Definitely bring you something so you can uh, so check them yeah. out. Because they're, they're literally like live, huge. They're, they're, they're more photo than magazine. Just capturing the moment of the last dance. It has like Dennis Rodman on them with the hair. They're like crazy clear photos in it. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, that's dope. I definitely want to check that out. So whenever, uh, you know, you buy my way, you know, just leave it on the step. Still and then, um, you know, I'm going to check that out. But without further ado, are you ready for the hottest topics for episode 80? All right, all right, all right. So the last dance ended. So sad, so sad, so sad. Ended on Sunday, um, episode 9 and 10 were the last two episodes. And uh, we're just going to do a little breakdown from, honestly, we're just going to switch it up a little bit, honestly. You know, to summarize episode 9, it started off with the relationship between Reggie Miller and between Michael Jordan. And Reggie always said that, you know, him and MJ had a unique relationship. You know, a lot of people, you know, during MJ's era when he came into the league, had a fear for him. But Reggie was like, nah, I'm not about that. You know what I'm saying? And at the end of the day, Reggie said he respected him. And what was crazy with that episode was, obviously, that was the last dance, 1997-98 season. But more importantly, the 1998 Eastern Conference Finals. And, you know... Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and others basically said, you know, aside from the New York Knicks and the Bad Boy Pistons in the East, they give them they gave them the most competition, the most scare, um, which was crazy as well too. So, I believe what they went seven games, right? Um, did they go seven games? Seven or six? I, I, I know they said Jordan never lost a game six, won, but never, yeah, seven I games. think he never won, lost a game, never won seven games in the finals. Lost a game six, right? Okay, but no, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, so, but yeah, so basically, uh, that joint was crazy because they went, um, yeah, they went a whole, no, they, they won in, they won in, I think. I think they won in seven games. And yeah, he said it was he said it was very tough as well, too. So it was pretty cool to see um, you know, Reggie Miller back in the day, you know, go at it because he's one of the at least for our generation, when we think of like elite shooters from back in the day, you know, we think of Reggie Miller. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Obviously we have players like Steph Curry and Damian Lillard and Kyrie and whatnot who have, you know, changed it a lot, you know what I'm saying? The landscape of the league has changed a lot where three points are are more prominent nowadays, but back in the day, like Reggie Miller was one of those guys as well too. So um, it was kind of crazy because with episode nine, they're going back and forth between the Eastern Conference Finals and then the the run with uh, the Utah Jazz. So they focus on the yeah. '97 um, series and they also focus on the '98 series as well too. And what was interesting, what what came to mind was that. On June 10th, 1997, before game five started um, in Utah, okay. MJ was saying that he was in the Marriott and he was real, real hungry. He was like, yo, like, I'm hungry. We're trying to check out to see what to what to what's open, what's not open. And he ends up ordering pizza. And I felt like the pizza spot was like 
miles away and they ordered a big box of pizza and then when they came to deliver the pizza he and his uh his right hand man basically said yo they were like five guys who delivered this pizza <laughs> which was ridiculous and from that you know he was the only person that ate it and then a couple hours later he's like yo i'm not feeling good right now like something something's up and he ended up having food poisoning which is crazy because we call that game the classic flu flu game game, right but i think you can still call it flu game because those are flu-like symptoms you know what i'm saying but it was kind of crazy how i don't think if it was any other player aside from like kobe only the only person i can think of right now that would play through that is probably kobe bryant right now so it's kind of crazy how you know it was they were down 28 29 to 18 he ended up playing 44 minutes, scored 38 points, and they won by two points um, as well, too. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, just that that series with Utah the year before the last one, and then how you feel about him with the whole flu game and whatnot. Well, the flu game perplexes me because he had to be dehydrated like uh, a, a mother, you know, like he had to be because I can't function half the time my stomach hurts dog and i hoop all the time you know so i run for days but my stomach hurts is like ah you know i'm gonna pack it up peace out you know what i'm saying hopefully i get you know so i make it out the door um so that means whatever transpired whatever was running through his system had to have already ran through a system and i'm not gonna get graphic but you know what i'm saying it had to have already like came and went and whatever like that so he probably didn't have nothing in him yeah. you know other than the water and whatever they were trying to pump in them. And I know when you get sick, like even the water, like your body's trying to get rid of whatever it is that's poisoning it. So whatever you have in it, having you, it just seems like an extra added burden. Even if it's helping you, just drinking that water, drinking that juice is is, is tough to do. You know what I'm saying? We've all been sick. We've all had the <laughs> flu per se. And like, there's similar symptoms. So I, I could imagine how like, dude was probably like seeing double. He probably didn't, Come reach reach like a level like a, 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 a you know what I'm saying? He probably didn't reach it like a stable level until <laughs> until the end of that game when he when he started hitting shots and stuff like that. You know, yeah. like just just as far as feeling wise, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going into all the other stuff, but just like yo, like uh, I'm running out of court. I feel like I'm about to die. Then he probably you know it's like okay, I can do this. I can lift up a little bit, get my shots off. So we probably started feeling like Michael Jordan again towards the end of that game, the fourth quarter, and it was crazy he stayed locked in mentally enough to do that which i mean that's jordan for you you know mm-hmm. uh the thing that sticks on me the most about the, the 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 jazz is just uh how crazy like carl malone was i mean i guess we we could wrap back around to it too because we have to talk about the the eventually 98 season but you know malone stockton like phew, crazy like i don't know he just He's just a big dude, you know, and he, for him to be hitting those shots, it was like Shaq with a jump shot. And I'm not, no disrespect to Shaq and nothing like that, but he was a load to handle. But at the same time, he was making every mid-range shot he took for whatever reason. It was like, dude, dude was a force. And and just just to, just to foreshadow, like, he almost beat them in 98 if, if Michael hadn't stayed outside and, and got that steal. Right. But yeah. the, the Jazz were a force to reckon with. Um, did you want me to go into to, to Reggie Miller and, and the – in the, we want okay, all the smoke. All, right. we want um, all of it. We, ah, we want all the smoke. Shout out, shout out. Uh, 
um, the thing that gets me the most about Reggie Miller is, <laughs> you know, that's one of the people like he talked trash, trash, but he he cowered down and he said it. He admitted it to, to Michael Jordan. He was not going to talk trash to Michael mm. Jordan. That was only going to make his life harder. <laughs> he talked trash to everybody, dog. Mm. Um, on top of that, he was a shooter and, and a sniper. He had the, that that clip on him. In a, in a way phys- more physical league. And if you want to draw the comparisons, like, oh, well, what's up? Wouldn't be able to, to function in the old basketball where you can hand check. Well, Reggie Miller played, and I honestly believe that Reggie Miller wasn't as much of a guard as Steph was. You know what I'm saying? He, he was a shooting guard, per se, but as far as like a point guard, as like an all time ball handler and stuff like that, kind of making plays for his team, like the duration of the game, I think Steph does that more than Reggie Miller did. And Reggie Miller was definitely getting touched up. You see, like, you saw, like, Michael got hit by a screen in that one clip, and Reggie, like, faded it and came back, and Mike was, like, racing to get out to him and stuff like that. Like, that's how physical the game was. So you know if Michael was getting hit by screens, Reggie was definitely getting touched up running through the paint and stuff like that. He probably just got hit two or three times before he got to that screen, you know? So he's probably just happy to, like, have a, 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 a the sun, to see the sun that time. So I give mad props to, to, to Reggie Miller for that, um, the physicality. And I think we have to, when we're comparing the past to the present, we just have to take in accountability, which is tough because we want to speak in absolutes when we're having a debate. But we want to take in accountability how people adapt, you know, and how their games would change and, and how they would handle the new stuff. Because I, I don't – not saying that – players don't change but i think they're gonna do what they do best but they're gonna adapt to the game you know like reggie miller was doing i think reggie miller would score just as much if not more in today's game i think Steph might do the same definitely with a three-point line back then shooting from damn near half court shots Mm -hmm. so so i give props to reggie miller for that uh and the and the pacers for being that team to have the bulls rattled the most and to loop back around to to jordan fighting through the flu game as well as Carl Malone being the beast that he was. Yeah, yeah for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, this, this is going to be an ongoing thing with, you know, 90, 80s, 90s basketball and, you know, the modern-day NBA as well, too. So, like, mm-hmm. what you said, mm-hmm. I think, you know, we're more skilled than ever. Obviously, if you're a great player um, in your own respective right, you your game can be translated into any era. But what I yep. loved about this documentary is the physicality. Like, we don't really get to see that that much. I mean, we see we see a good amount of it in the playoffs, but it's still a little soft, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. when they always be like, oh, you know, who wins, 73-9 Warriors or the 72-10 and 10 Bulls, it honestly depends on what era you're playing in. Because if they allow hand-checking, Steph, I mean, Steph's going to do Steph, but like, it's going to be tough. You know what I'm saying? Like, you saw how physical Dale Vadova yeah. was with him that first year they got to the – they won the championship. So, you're going to get touched up. Clay going to get touched up as well, too. So, it would be interesting to see um, as well. So, that's what I missed about um, – that's what I'm going to miss the most about this documentary in general as well, too. And what was cool was they introduced Steve Kerr. Um, so, the general idea of Steve Kerr was, you know, having that trust with – 
uh, Michael Jordan, but they had a, they kind of had a backstory after with him. Yeah, the after face. getting punched in the face, they kind of had a backstory <laughs> with Steve Kerr, um, and basically he was saying like, "Yo, I wasn't supposed to be here. You know, it was just hard work and dedication that essentially got me here as well too." But what kind of sped up that process was his father, um, which was yeah. crazy. I believe Steve Kerr um, and his family were, were born in Lebanon, and then they actually moved to the United States. And I think his dad got a new opportunity to be um, a professor uh, in Lebanon. And basically, I think they said on, um, whatchamacallit, January 18th of 1984, Kerr, his dad, was shot and killed by two gunmen outside his office. He was only 52. Yeah. Um, and then it said years later, information regarding Kerr's assassins and their motives still remain uncertain. Uh, news of the sudden death, which was yet another tragic event in the Civil War, appeared in the media worldwide. So I think it seems to me because he stood for something and he was such an advocate, um, that's what resulted into his death. But I just want to bring that up, RIP. But anyways, that kind of forced him to utilize basketball as a way of coping um, as well, too. And I think that's kind of where Jordan and Steve Kerr actually clicked as well, too. Obviously, they're both a little bit feisty and whatnot. But I think sharing that commonality kind of brought them together as well, too. Um, and, you know, because of Steve Kerr, you know, Jordan was able to get to where he wanted to be as well, too. Um, and another quote that was pretty good was, you know, going into the 1998, we're going to episode 10 right now, too, because it kind of it's kind of a big continuation, to, to, to be honest, for real, for real. Right. But right. going into the 1998 series against Utah, um, there's some guy that speaks, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's just like, yo, most people live in fear because we project the past into the future. And that was a gem for me. And he basically, you know, it basically left for him to say that MJ, one thing about MJ was he never thought about the past. He never thought about what's to come. He always looked at what was in front of him. So he was always essentially a prisoner of the moment, always present um, as well, too. But damn, that 98 series was crazy. Knowing that it's the last dance, knowing that any that you know you could get beat at any given time, they kind of took that with them. So game one, they lost uh they lost game one in OT, which was crazy. Game two, they came back one game. They won they won game two 93-88. Game game two, wow. game three was crazy, bro. They held the Utah Jazz to 54 points. Like yeah. that was OD. Um that that shit was crazy. And what was crazy after game three, <laughs> this man Dennis Robin went MIA again. He already requested time off a couple of <laughs> seasons ago. And he going to come back in the finals, go MIA, miss practice. Everybody, yo, we're robbing that. We're robbing that. You know, it's perfect because there's no social media, but there is a live television show that was popping back in the day, which was WCW. And he pulled up on WCW <laughs> with Hulk Hogan getting chairs, hitting people, pinning people and all that, which was crazy. Um, and that's wild because if someone would have did that back in the day, first of all, you're getting caught. Second of all, you're getting fined probably what? At least fifteen to twenty five, maybe fifty thousand dollars as well too. So, good money. Yeah, money. it it, it kind of speaks to the trust that the teammates have with them, and also what the coach have has with them as well too. Because they know at the end of the day, like I can do whatever off the field. I mean, off the court, but on the court, yeah. I'm giving you one hundred ten percent regardless. So, um, you yeah. know, they came back, um, and they ended up winning as well too. Uh, game four. Um, no, they lost game four. No, they lost the uh, which game? Robin ran off. Dennis returned. Yeah, so they're up three one. 
Then I think they lost game five. And then game six, basically, um, that's when they talked about Scotty. Scotty Pippen had back injuries and whatnot. Um, and I think they yeah. were up 17. No, the Utah Jazz were up 17-8 at one point. And Jordan was just like, bruh, like, is Scotty going to be good? Like, what's up with this man? So, Scotty <laughs> keep going back and forth. And we're like, yo, like, if we lose this game here, then that puts a lot of pressure because game seven, you know, everything is up for grabs as well, too. So, they were basically saying that Scotty Pippen was kind of used as a decoy as well, too, which is great to have, you know what I'm saying? But like you said, what really changed the game was when they were down 86, 83, 41 seconds ago, you know, MJ gets that layup, and now it's 37 seconds, and now they need to stop. So he comes from, like you say, he comes from the weak side, um, swipes the ball from Carl Malone, and then he basically looks at Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson's like, yo, go do your thing, bro. Like, you the GOAT. Go ahead. And that's when – what's the guy's name that was guarding him? I, I can't um, remember his name, but we, we everybody know who he's talking about. Homie went to go guard him, and everyone keeps saying, like, yo, that was a push-off. But when you look at that footage and, and they kept showing the replay, he actually was about to fall. So one thing led to another, and that's one of the most iconic shots ever as well, too. Um, and – and it's just crazy. Yeah, he, he he the momentum. He already his momentum was going that way. I don't think Mike pushed him at all or too much. You know what I'm saying? Like just like maybe like yeah, he had his hand flexibility, but I don't think Mike pushed him at all. Yeah, I don't think so either. So, I guess my next question for you now that we wrapped up everything, like what were your biggest takeaways? I'll talk about my biggest takeaways, but um, yeah, I want to ask you after I give my take, like what were your big takeaways from, okay. you know. The last dance in general. So first and foremost, my biggest takeaway was just the reminder of how great MJ was and how he solidified himself as a goat as well too. Because like you said, we well you grew up with ninety. You born ninety five. You yeah. born ninety five. I'm born ninety four. We're not really competent enough. Like we we see the ads, we see him on TV. We got we got our parents got us the Jays and whatnot and what and and stuff. So. You know, we think he's damn near a guy, but we didn't really get to see him play like that live and follow that. So I feel like our ghosts were Kobe. Our ghosts were AI. Our ghosts were, you know, LeBron James as well, too. People who have changed the entire, you know, culture of the NBA as well, too. So to see, we've we've seen the overview of the story, but to see him break it down in each and every single episode and get to see what he did on a daily basis was pretty damn cool as well too. And another thing I learned as well is like it it takes a village essentially. It's cliche, but it takes a village to raise a child, you know what I'm saying? So without going through those hardships, Jordan wouldn't wouldn't be where he is as well too. Another thing I learned as well too is like it kind of start it kind of starts from the top down. And when I say that, like your owner has to be in sync and then from your owner, your GM has to be in sync. Your GM has to essentially go out and find the right coaching staff. And then from from that, he's the one who's orchestrating who's gonna who he who is he who is he gonna draft? What players are you gonna trade for? Who's he gonna sign in free agency? Yeah. So it really all comes down to that whole unit working in tandem. Obviously players will play a huge role, don't get me wrong, but without the GM making those moves, without him, you know, Jerry Krause trying to get Scotty Pippen or, you know, signing Dennis Rodman or training away Horace Grant, like 
the Bulls aren't winning those championships. You know what I'm saying? So Thanks. credit to him. You know, I know they painted him in a bad light, but overall he may go down um, as one of the best GMs of all time, to be honest. And another yeah. thing I learned as well, too, is if you want something real bad, you just have to be motivated within and you and, and you just got to, quote unquote, win at all costs as well, too. So that was pretty motivating for me. And another thing was the the physicality. The physicality was phenomenal. Um, and I wish we were yeah. a bit more physical nowadays. I feel like it, it, it can be a little diluted, but at least until we get to the playoffs. But those were some of my key uh, takeaways. And just how he just changed the whole culture and, you know, players actually, in a way, um, utilizing their platforms to expand their brands, which I enjoyed about him as well, too. But talk to me about your key takeaways. Um, I think, uh, I guess I'll, I'll bounce around a little okay. bit. But uh, Jerry Cross one being a – I mean, they, they started paying him in the greatest picture and stuff like that for breaking the team up. Um, you have to give him his flowers, though, for making the team, for making the moves he did. Uh, even bringing Kukos in that hit super big shots at really good seasons over the years. Um, and they were like, oh, like, they got on him because he's not about to be the next best NBA thing. I mean, he wasn't an NBA guy by any means, but he was definitely one of the NBA superstars. Definitely the uh, season when Mike left, um, he was – he hit – a few, we talked about this last podcast, he had a few like buzzer beaters that season. He was a clutch guy. He was an experienced guy and he helped the Bulls roll and he even hit big shots when Mike came back. So, uh, and, and to Fred Jean to make a move like that when a lot of play, a lot of teams weren't making moves like that to go find a player that was overseas and stuff like that. Uh, Jerry Krause knew what he was doing. Simple as that. Um, I think it, it speaks to MJ and you know, there's always a question. There's always, like, wonder. He's, he's not saying necessarily he's a man of mystery, but it's the most dialogue we've ever seen from him. Yeah. I think the part where they would, like, pass him, like, uh, the, the the iPad, the season reaction, <laughs> like, probably, probably the dopest part because it was, like, open dialogue. It was like, yo, show us emotion. Oh, wow, respond to the emotion. We don't really see Mike talk that much, mm-hmm. and, and it's weird, but we, we don't. We don't. And we, we know him, the man, the myth, the legend. Like to smoke cigars and stuff like that, but I mean, he had an an enact ability just to to just be competitive. He always had like that child like competitive, never wanted to lose. And I and I say child like, and it kind of dumbs it down, but that's all it is. You know, before you know life hits you, before um, stuff gets hard, before you know society gets to you, you, you all you are is like you want to you know win, win. You want to compete. You want to you know be successful finish out on top and he had that childlike giddiness to him because I, I, I noticed him after the finals and usually I was like hey you know we did it hey like it wasn't no like super big speech it wasn't no like yo we won this like did the, the finals weren't like after his dad he lost his dad being a little bit more he was a little bit more emotional yes but at the end of the day he was like he just won an AU tournament <laughs> oh you know let's go to Chuck E. G's. let's go to you know let's yeah. go to Jeepers you know it was it was very childlike and pure. So, you know, he, he, he found a line with his passion and his calling. What I would love to have seen or love to, for them to talk about a little bit more is uh, maybe the psychology or what exactly, and maybe MJ is, is, is above the rest and is in a class of his own because there wasn't just a moment 
where it was like, yo, I have to be the best. Yo, I got to, you know, some people like they, they snaps on them. I feel like Kobe's always talked about, you know, kind of the time where it's like, yo, like, you know, I got to kill this. Like right around high school, right around middle school, it's like, yo, I hated this. I got to do this. My, I mean, we know Mike got cut like his freshman year or his sophomore year from the basketball team. But, you know, where is the innate just super competitive aspect come from him? And what's the psychology around that? And what was the like, yo, you'll never be better than me ever kind of mindset come? So I don't, I don't know. I just I, – I, I appreciate the doc for showing a little bit of light on Michael Jordan, who we know is the guy. Um, and, and it always leaves me wanting more from Michael Jordan because, I mean, how can, you, how can you know or see enough with that? Um, let's see. What else? What else? Uh, um, it'll be interesting in, in, the, in the days and weeks to come because uh, I know Horace Grant has already talked about it a little bit, but even Scottie Pimpin and other teammates and stuff, how they get their reactions. And I think it's interesting as we waited to the end to hear some of the reactions. Like, Horace Grant has been super vocal uh, within the last day or so since the, the, the end of this. Scotty, I think, just chimed in and said something that he the reports are true. So it's like, you know, I, I just I'm interested because why not why not say something after the first one? You know, why not? And then two, who's making money off of this? Like who you, you sat down, you you know, they they weren't all doing like there was footage, there's recent footage, like not and I say recent, maybe in the past five years, there's recent footage of them talking on these cameras. I mean, I know doc- documentaries and TV is cut a certain way, but you decided to be part of the documentary. You decided to, you know, give your current update on the situation. So why would you wait until now to kind of chime in on it? And I understand the the victors, the most, you know, the most sexy party is going to get to kind of write the story. And Michael Jordan was the most sexy party. Uh, Phil Jackson was the most you know, sexy party, pause, but you got understand what I'm saying. Um, they, they were the most, um, you know, victorious, the most attractive person to put on that pedestal. So the story's going to get told their way because you want to see the inside looking at yeah. them. The team encompass, encompasses that. And uh, I just, I'm, I'm interested to see like where this goes. And for me, I think from a leadership standpoint, because the doc, it talks about leadership, it talks about following, it talks about playing your role and, 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 and everything that goes in with that. I think for me, there's not much you can fault him on, you know? There's, there's not much you can fault him on how, how it was produced or anything like that because the producer is going to produce it. But Mike, you know, that's what it was. And if he treated you a certain way back in the day and you know you you know you were a role player and he, he carried the burden he was the the finding reason why you guys won six championships you might have to just take this one and i'm sorry it, it brings back bad memories of mike and him getting on you in practice and stuff like that you might have to just take this one now is there, there, there are other sides to that yes but you might have to just take this one and say yo you know this was less about me and more about the process and definitely more about mike yes uh, last thing, last thing, and, I, and I'll wrap this, this speech up, was um, the conclusion with uh, Phil Jackson, how they all wrote everything down. That was fire. And, you know, it, 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 was, it was tough, and it, and it made me like, all right. It, it made me reflect about kind of like life and how about, and how like, you know, when a chapter closes, but maybe not necessarily that there is closing. You're not going to get always get closer in those situations, whether it be anything, anything in life, but, you know, maybe just taking a conscious effort to be appreciative of 
the things that have happened maybe in the last year and the last few months and stuff like that you know take a conscious effort to say hey you know this is good and i think that phil was good about that because he was good he's good about getting the most out of his players too and he knows those guys for those eight years those three four years however they were long with the team at that moment gave it their all to, to accomplish that dream so it just meant that much more to put that stuff in the fire and create closure that way so it, it made me reflect it made me kind of all right maybe next time a chapter ends in my life or a chapter starts maybe i can attack it a little bit differently and maybe even the closure will give the new chapter a little bit better of a meaning if i approach it a certain way so yeah, that's what I took away from the documentary. Yeah. Question for you, just yes or no, and you can chime in. If you chime in, just let me know in less than 20 seconds of why. Yeah. If yeah. they were able to run it back, 1998, obviously they're getting older. They may have to move around some contracts. And, and you know, obviously in Jordan's head, you know, he's the ultimate winner. If they came back for the 98-99 season, Phil Jackson was there for one more year, signed a one-year deal, do you think they would have won? Yes. Because Jerry Krause. Because Jerry Krause, for sure. Hot take, hot take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he got the job done. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy. Like like I said, with this documentary, it definitely reiterated why he's a GOAT. And it's kind of funny because when LeBron came back from the 3-1 to one, the 3-1 deficit against the Golden State Warriors in 2016 – that's when Jordan signed off on the whole documentary, and, and that's when the process started. So he was like, yo, <laughs> don't get it twisted, player. Boy, you may have came back from a 3-1 deficit, bro, but I got six of them things, and I lost zero of them things. Granted, you have more finals appearances, that's over the years, but Petty. at the end of the day, winning is one of the reasons why we play basketball. Aside from just enjoying the actual aspect of playing it, you do this winning to win. Winning cures everything. Winning cures everything. Winning cures everything. So my next segment I want to go into is like, obviously I feel like it's going to come a point in time where we're just going to have to appreciate just greatness within a specific era. Like there's just goats of different eras. But knowing okay. how fans are, knowing how the media is, everyone, it's always going to be an ongoing thing. Who's a goat? Who's a goat? Who's a goat? Even, even if there is a goat debate, Let's wait until someone's career is old. You know what I'm saying? Like, LeBron James is still in his prime, which is fucking ridiculous. I still don't get that shit to this day. <laughs> but my question for you is, what do you think LeBron James has to do to win us the majority over as being a GOAT? To me, I think it's he probably has to win two more championships. And with those within those two championships, he has to be finals MVP and that would basically help him out because he would be he would have gone to three different franchises and won championships for each of those organizations as well too. You know what I'm saying? Miami Heat obviously won in 06, but after that they never reached the finals again. Cleveland hasn't never won anything. He came back there and won. After Kobe left, the Lakers were in a drought. Even like during obviously when Kobe got injured, they were in a drought. So they haven't seen any jewelry when they're so accustomed to winning. I feel like if he can do that and if he's on pace to score what he's scoring, assist what he's assisting, rebound what he's rebounding, winning what he's winning, he'll probably end up having more wins, more points, more assists, more rebounds, and then you take into effect longevity of him as well, too. And like I said, those those three different franchises, although he don't have those wins, 
feel like if you have five with like, well, you got eight, nine finals appearances, adding those two rings, yeah. then I think we can open that back up. But as of right now, we should wait until his career is over with. But what do you think he has to do to be considered the quote unquote GOAT? Hot take alert. <laughs> he can't do anything. Mm. It's finished? Why? He can't. Look at society. Look at outside of the basketball court. We live in a cancel society where the elephant never forgets, you know, where if you do something that I can hang over you, that, you know, that we think we can, you know, talk about forever, ever, and ever, that's, it, it is what it is. And, you know, being that you're comparing almost apples to oranges and it's tough because you try to elevate it to the same plane. You still, you're still comparing two different things when you look at, Hey, um, the bronze went at three different franchises. Jordan stayed with the same franchise. I mean, pretty much, I mean, definitely throughout his prime, pretty much. I mean, there's people that don't even know Michael Jordan played for the Wizards, and that's kind of crazy, yeah, you know? I wanted those shoes so bad. Got, I think they were, what were they, the 21s, 22? I don't even know what they were, about, <laughs> but with the strap joint, damn. Yeah. I was like, yo, that's too expensive, little nigga. <laughs> Anyways, keep going. My fault. My fault cut you off. So, no, you're good. But, like, like really, like, it's, it's kind of a societal mindset. And even, like, I'm, I'm going to have to basketball heads into that, too. You know, even the esteemed people, even, you know, it's it's going to be a hard argument for somebody to give LeBron the goal, even with his accolades, even if he does win two more or anything like that, it's going to be hard because you're like, oh, look at the fashion of when Jordan did it. Look how focused he was. Look how he didn't need anybody, even though he had some damn good players by his side, you know? And and he had better head office and general management. That's what I'd be saying, too. And, and franchise heads than, than LeBron. Other than maybe... Uh, uh, but 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 from a from a from a dynasty from a franchise point, uh, I think I think Kraus and the Bulls owner and the management they were number I mean, one. Yeah, he and he I was, think he could, was already at a disadvantage because and I've been harping on this yeah. for episodes and episodes and episodes. Like, if you're not in a warm weather market or in a high yeah. value city like a metropolitan, yeah, then you're already at a disadvantage. If you're in a smaller market, you know how hard it is to attract marquee free agents. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or make these trades. Like, it's very, very hard. Um, so he's already at a disadvantage with that. And then also with, with LeBron, he ain't never had someone like Phil Jackson before. He went through a lot of different coaches. I mean, the best coach you can say he had is part yeah. of Eric Sposher and then probably this year um, with Frank Vogel. But he's went through a lot of coaching changes. Yeah. was in a different market. He's always worked with less as well, too. Ah, not necessarily because MJ only had one other all-star with him. To be honest, LeBron had always two yeah. of them. But keep going. I'm sorry for cutting you off. No, I mean, I mean that's that's a, that's a, that's a point essentially. But yeah, I, so so if I if I went down the line, I would I would put the Bulls organization. Then I would put at the time the Heat 
than the Lakers. Because the Lakers have kind of been in turmoil last year, trying to scramble with the Magic Johnson stuff, <laughs> with Kobe leaving, trying to find a new face. Honestly, honestly, yes, it's a more established uh, a franchise, but the Heat know what, knew what they were doing. Pat Riley gets the job done, just that their easy cut drive. And then I'll put the Lakers in, 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 in that, you know, if there was a three-headed monster, per se, it would, it would be Bulls, Miami, then the Lakers, as far as uh, – LeBron's difficulty of management mm-hmm. might have went. Uh, and, and to wrap my point up, I just, I don't see it. I don't see it. We, we, we don't forget the internet remembers everything. Uh, we live in a society that honestly, if it's MJ and the people that worship MJ as he came up, we're the people that worship LeBron as he came up or worship Kobe. We, we don't see them in the same light. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we just don't. Yeah. We don't. Yeah. And, and and I'm not saying that who's the better player here. I'm saying what it would take for somebody to give LeBron essentially the GOAT manifesto or for a, a big shift into thinking. I don't think that's going to happen even after it's all said and done. Yeah. Definitely with documentaries like this, Michael Jordan is still playing a competitive game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, he's still playing to win. Yeah, it's actually sick. It's almost like he hate, he hates losing more than he enjoys winning. <laughs> that's like you. That's like it's like you graduating the year after me, and <laughs> on your grad, you, and you're my brother. You, you're my little brother, and on your graduation day, I post all my graduation pics <laughs> from last year, and don't even shout you don't out. Even shout. <laughs> that's actually sicko. Nah, but you're right. It just may be one of those things where he just already lost. Yeah, you know, obviously, like we said, the people who haven't watched them and haven't seen this footage are going to say it's him. But for the general yeah. mass who 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 have been a part of this, you might be right, bro. Yeah. You might be right. It's a culture. But we are prisoners of the moment too. So if he if, uh, if he still it, that's what Michael Jordan wants us right? to be. Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> if we see Le, if we see LeBron's old ass because he's in a year what. 17? 17, 18 oh. going on. It's going to be 18. Even if they start in July, it's going to be year 18 for LeBron. Can you imagine him in year 18 and 19 winning two back-to-back championships, playing at that level, mm-hmm. not low managing or anything like that? That, w- that would be ridiculous. But like we said, we got we, we to wait till his reign, his career is over with, and then we can actually – Reopen that discussion again as well, too. And then, boom, Bronny James comes in to sub his father, LeBron James, out of the game for the very last and time. That would be that would be the day. <laughs> if they can do that, if they're on the same team or at least get to play against each other, I swear to God, that would be the day when LeBron say, yo, fuck this. I'm about to just go ball for y'all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, God. God, oh, man. God. But aside from that, um, there's been some more news with the NBA as well to another headline that just came out. And they're saying that sources, NBA teams are expecting guidelines around June 1st for players to return. So NBA teams are expecting the league office will issue guidelines around June 1st that will allow franchises to start recalling players who've left their markets as a first step toward a formal ramp up for the season's resumption. Um, teams expect a similar timeline from the league on when they'll be allowed to expand individual workouts already underway within the market players to include more person, more team personnel, sources said. Bearing any 
unforeseen turn of events, many NBA owners, executives, and National Basketball Players Association elders believe Commissioner Adam Silver will greenlight the return to play in June with games expected to resume sometime before the end of July, sources said. The NBA is still considering a two-site format for the return of the season, including Orlando, Walt Disney Resort, and Las Vegas as well, too. But there's been upcoming news and more news as well, too. The NBA has has Orlando slash Disney World as a clear front runner for the return to play site for resuming the 2019-20 season as well, too. So it's good news that Orlando is going to be the destination spot. Like I said, if we can take the pro- the proper measures to, um, you know, not spread the virus within the players and the, and the personnel, the essential personnel, then I think we then I think we're gonna be good to go. But what are your thoughts with you know players essentially getting back together as early as June and then us resuming the nineteen twenty season? Man, finally it feels like we're in the right step. Knock on wood. You know some shit can always backfire. But I like to tend to be an optimistic guy. But what are your thoughts about all that? Um, man, I'm gonna sound like a hater. Go ahead, hate. And I'll save and I I'll save that. Uh I just I think it would be very cool for the fans and the guys that have been wanting to play and you know put everything on the line for them as long as everything logistically is set up the right way. Uh we possibly will have for maybe a month or so, month and a half, probably almost like twenty four hours of basketball. It would it would kind of bring back to the, the fun of it, like, you know, because i I would assume if there's only two sites. Or if they just started the playoffs, depending on how they went. If there's only two sites, we would have day long of, of maybe ESPN and ESPN <laughs> two, or or you know, I guess on some like NCAA they, they, March they Madness stuff. No, on some March Madness stuff, like it'd be like nine a.m. Oh, and you would see like team. the next game. Yeah, next team. Like, and it it would probably be fun, like just to be resourceful and stuff like that. Not, I don't know how real and how serious. It would be taking within the, the 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 league guys, and and I'm saying this with the green of salt, but at the same time, it's like you know these are guys you see all the time. It's like you know, so seeing them without the fans doesn't feel like the summertime because you know if it wasn't this kind of scenario, then um they would be in all like at UCLA playing at the Rico Hines gym and stuff like that. So it would it might feel more like that to them than anything. So I'm just wondering how they're going to take it too. But um, I think, I think it will be cool to see that for basketball fans and for the players too. Personally. Yeah. I don't want to see the NBA come back this season. Damn. I feel like it's kind of botched at this point. So you, so, yeah, so I mean, more I, so, more I, so for, more so it. for health, health Man, reasonings technique. or what it, what, it's supposed to all come with. I mean, we'll, we'll go from top to bottom. We'll go health. Okay, we want everybody healthy. We want there to be a league to be able to play next season. We want two the integrity of the championship in the game. You know, I, I feel like if they could have brought it back now or like in June, cool. But when are gonna, they're going to start the nineteen twenty season? So the first of the year, uh, <laughs> probably December, right? They were saying December. Yeah, I think it'll start in December. But realistically, realistically, ah. Uh, it's the first of the year, you know, like preseason. And then we're going to start regular season games or like kind of getting into the swing of stuff 
first of the year. And then what are we gonna like change basketball season, or is it gonna, or is it gonna be a, a, a shorted, a, a truncated season? Which I'm sure it'll probably be a yeah, truncated season. Because I was about to say we've had we've had a few like two lockouts in our, at least in our time before. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I could see them doing that. I mean, you gotta you gotta make money somehow. That's I think was I think from, the but. biggest fear was like meshing with the NFL ratings as well too. But when you think about yeah. the NFL, they only play on Sundays. So I yeah. I think in the long run yeah. though, I think but it's marketed. Yeah, yeah that's true. I think in the long run, um, until we can actually defeat this shit one hundred percent and get vaccines and get and have people, you know, they should everyone should get the shit for free if they so if they so want to. Um, or at least be affordable. Yeah. It should be a free thing. Um, I feel like not until if and not until when like when that happens, then I don't think we're gonna go back to normal as far as like the layout of the of the season starting in October and ending in June. Yeah, yeah. I don't see. It I think they should be as cautious as possible. You know, do it right the first time so you don't have to keep correcting yourself. Mm-hmm time and time again yeah and then one of my last questions That's before it. we end the episode so knowing that and being optimistic you know that uh you know from what i think i, I feel like they're they're just gonna play maybe five games max before they go into the playoffs knowing that that that, that is a thing um and yeah. that we will kind of have an asterisk you know, with this season because we didn't get to fully play it out and whatnot and have that true experience. Do you think that whoever wins this championship this year, if we if we're able to play that long, do you think that's gonna have a taint on it? Yeah. Why you think so? Because with me, I'm like, everyone's at a disadvantage and this is life. A lot of obstacles are gonna get thrown your way. So why not? You know what I'm saying? If everyone's at a disadvantage, everyone's going through this, and we all have the same ample amount of time to prepare, seeds one through eight in the east and west, even if we don't do seven games each round, we do three games, three games, or three, five games, no, five-game series, five-game series, then the conference finals, finals, seven-game series. If you a winner, you a winner. So, like, like why do you think that, you know, why, why do you feel indifferent is what I want to know. Uh, I just think... Uh, and it, it it sounds super psychological. <laughs> I like it. I'm here but, for it. And, but but it's not a linear model, you know. People are so into and and this goes back to when I think of stuff. I think about it from a public eye perception. Okay. So not honestly what it means, but how it can be perceived as well, you know. So that's any information. That's anything. Any happening. Anything. Um, <laughs> it's like it's like telling your girl a story, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like, you want me to pop for a second? I'll pop, right? Like telling your girl a story. <laughs> so it's like, yo, um, so 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 we'll say the linear model is what you do today. She asked you what you do today, boo. Oh well, I uh, you know I I woke up, I worked out, I went to the store, went and hooped with the guys, and you know I at the store. Uh, one of my friends was there and ended up, I didn't have my card. So uh, they paid for my stuff and I didn't have my car either. Or, you know, so they drove me home. They actually, we, we kicked it at their place for a few. And, you know, I went back. That's linear. That's linear, okay. right? And, and, and tie back around. But 
say you, you, you tell the story and you throw, boom, you throw your friend Tisha in there. Yo, what you do? Oh, I worked, <laughs> I, I got up, I worked out, I went to the store and turned out I didn't have my stuff. So, you know, I saw Tisha and Tisha caught my stuff. Tisha drove me to the crib and now, you know, we chill at Tisha house for a little bit. So, now who is Tisha? Why, why was you doing that? So, so your, your day is almost invalidated because of that monkey wrench. You're right, because and, and not saying everybody thinks like that, <laughs> and I'm just proving a point. I, you know, I'm I'm sorry, this, I'm I'm wow. sorry, viewers, but but it, it yeah, wow. wow. But, uh, really, when when you, when you when you throw something that's not in the norm up there, it always brings into question what it have been if the action, what it have been if it didn't have to be through adversity or if it didn't have to be. Uh, a change in what happened, and when, and when, and when all actuality, life is about that's adjusting. Life is and, about, and, and that's my whole point. Life is about adjusting. You can only yes. control what you can control. But not everybody thinks like that. Okay, okay. everybody saying. thinks like that. I see you what know you're what I'm saying. saying? There's a reason why only one person's a champion every year because that those are the people that throughout the course of the playoffs can adjust, can stand a third. You know, because it's not easy beating people four times in a row, so like that. So, so, and even. So, so, so looking at it from, from a pyramid level or from, from the ground up, like, yes, the people that do win are going to cherish that. There's gonna, uh, it's going to be amazing. The people that do understand it is going to be, yo, like they won it. They made it through. And, and with the shortened season when everything was going on, yes, it was crazy. It was great. But there's always going to be people that put the asterisks by it and be like, well, that was a short <laughs> season. And the reps and if the regular season had to play it out and this, that, and the third, there's always going to be an asterisk. There's always going to be an asterisk. And not saying that those are my views. I, I believe that you should be awarded for overcoming adversity. But in the long run, people are always going to put into question something that's not the norm if they do if they do go back to the norm. Now, if we do, if, if this becomes the new norm, if it becomes a new consistent for a little while, then it brings more validity, validity or validation to, to whoever wins whatever you know, draw up, draw up or whatever playoff format they have. And it will validate that a lot more. But if we just go back into regular season and we have the one truncated season from 19 to 20, and then 21, 22, we go back to regular NBA. People are always going to look back at this and be like, uh, was that a championship? Or, you know, yes, it was a championship. If but LeBron went, if LeBron went that's a championship. <laughs> I feel like, For I feel like he fans. the main reason why the season – it, basically why I feel like oh. it's being forced to happen. He's like, nah, like, this is my prime. Yes. Like, we we hitting our stride. Like, I'm trying to win this chip. Sorry for cutting you off. You know, and I completely agree with that. And, and not even just that, but it's as far as legacy goes for the league, you know, as far as faces go, why not be able to write this chapter of the league and then market it for years to years to come? Just like Jordan wrote that chapter of the league and then they were marketed in, in 2021 when the last time Jordan played was, I mean, 2020, when the last time Jordan played was 22 years ago. So if we can finish this LeBron chapter or, you know, add to it. Boom. Like, like we can market this in 2022 years from now too. And, and, and the league only gets better as it ages. It's like wine in a way. So, so we have to some way, somehow, put a period at the end of the sentence so we can keep writing this book. And I think from a league standpoint, that's awesome. Like from a, from a storytelling, from a, from a 
yo, there's no gaps in employment pretty much here. Like there's nothing here that you can that you could talk about like other than yo, remember when this happened? This is the NBA. Boom, boom, boom. Like even, like if you can make NBA quarant like not quarantine, but uh pandemic proof. If you can make the NBA pandemic proof and you know natural disaster proof, it's gonna be something for people to hold on to. And these stories and these players and everything like that. And that's my two cents. Like that's what it is. No, no, no. I definitely um love how you play devil's advocate. So that was a good perspective as well, too. I always like, you know, what you have to say and your take on things as well, too. I'm still thinking about that conspiracy uh little segment that we had <laughs> last week, which is pretty dope. <laughs> But yeah, man. Um, Don't let it keep you up. Yeah, man. So who knows what's to come with the NBA season? I'm so sad that uh, the documentary came to an end. So we're gonna. It's gonna be interesting to see what you know content we're gonna be talking about moving forward until we actually see some some movement, you know, being made as well too. But uh, ladies and gentlemen, that was episode eight zero, episode eighty of the season show. Um, any last words for you, Trade Day XXIV? Um, nah, man. Uh, cherish the time you have. Uh, you know, stay present, stay in the moment, just like MJ was. And that's the only way you can really live, man. Don't stress what's gonna happen next. What don't stress what happened before, just pay forward and be present. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. Be present, and you know, if you really want something, go for it. Win at all costs, right? You know, if you, yes, if you love something, like I said, go for that. shit. And a lot of people talk about pressure, 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 pressure. If you're constantly working on whatever you enjoy doing, constantly building up your skill, then there's no such thing as pressure. So by any means necessary, win at all costs. Ladies and gentlemen, yes, sir. that was episode 80 of The Caesar Show. Make sure to subscribe on all forms of social media at The Caesar Show, at TraderXXIV, at Sir Caesars. And we out.